after another Game 1 loss to the Los Angeles Kings. Are the Edmonton Oilers in trouble? We will talk about that and much more on today's episode of Locked On Oilers. Your Locked On Oilers, your daily podcast on the Edmonton Oilers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to Locked On Oilers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and former Oilers game day producer, Brett Holden. As mentioned on today's episode, the Edmonton Oilers are down by a game heading into game two. Are the Oilers in trouble? Short answer, no. But why? We will talk about that in just a second, but also on today's episode, we preview tonight's matchup between the Oilers and the Kings as they face off in Game 2 of this absolutely nasty series, but the Edmonton Oilers may be missing a very important piece from Game 1, and we will wrap up today's episode with the good, the bad, and the ugly from Game 1 between the Edmonton Oilers and the Los Angeles Kings. Thank you so much for making Locked On Oilers your first listen every day. We are free and available on YouTube and wherever you find your podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first Purchase. Just before we get into today's episode, I apologize for no episode yesterday as I just got back from Toronto after being stranded there for 12 hours. I shouldn't have been there. And on Sunday, I did also suffer from heat stroke, which you probably saw in that uh, crossover episode with Eddie as well. So I apologize to you, apologize obviously to Eddie as well for having to deal with me. But uh, let's move on from that as the Edmonton Oilers also need to move on. Because they're down by one heading into game two of this series against the Los Angeles Kings. But are they in trouble? No. As mentioned, the Edmonton Oilers are absolutely not in trouble. Why, you may ask? Well, how about the fact that the Edmonton Oilers outplayed the Los Angeles Kings at 5-on-5, beating the Los Angeles Kings at the 5-on-5 game at a score of 2-1, to The Los Angeles Kings scored three of their four goals on anything but a five-on-five play. One goal came at four-on-four. Two goals came on the power play for the Los Angeles Kings. And one of those power play goals came with 17 seconds left, empty net, and the Edmonton Oilers were already down a player six-on-four for the Los Angeles Kings. Now, you may sit there and go, yeah, you can't put yourself in that situation. You're right. But how often are you in that type of situation? Because when you take a look at five on five, every single time the horn blows and the ref is ready to drop the puck for the first face-off of the game, every single time you go to a hockey game, how does it start? Does it start four on four? Does the home team get a power play? Does the away team get a power play? Maybe the home team decided to pull their goalie for the first faceoff of the game, and they're starting six on five. No. Every single game starts at five on five. 
Now, it's no different on Monday night for the Oilers and the Kings, and so much so that between the Oilers and the Kings, they played over 50 minutes at 5-on-5. Over 50 minutes of a 69-minute game, the Edmonton Oilers and the Los Angeles Kings both had five players on the ice. Now, why am I pushing this so much? How about the fact that when we were heading into the playoffs as the NHL, every single person would go, oh, yeah, the Oilers are good, but they're only so good on the power play. They're no good on five. What happens at five on five? They outplayed the Los Angeles Kings. And if that means that the Edmonton Oilers are so overpowered on the power play that when they only score one goal on the power play, it's still, I don't know, an issue? What are we really saying? Because to me, it sounds like despite everybody going, oh, the Oilers lost in overtime, they blew this lead, I can't believe they did this, despite the fact that, again, they outplayed them at 5-on-5, the chances went their way mostly, you can give Jonas Corposalo all the, uh, the love you want, absolutely. But what it sounds like is a lot of hiding behind the fact that the Edmonton Oilers are probably better than we want to say. The Oilers dominated not only the five-on-five play, but you can say the Edmonton Oilers dominated the first two periods. Heading into the third period, the Oilers were up to nothing. And that's where the issue is for the Oilers. When you allow three goals in 20 minutes in the third period, that's an issue. But that's a fixable issue. As mentioned, only one of those goals in the third period came at 5-on-5. Then their third goal, as mentioned, came at 6-on-4 with 17 seconds left in the third period. Great resiliency from the Los Angeles Kings, but It is an issue that the Oilers have had all year. Well, mostly from the start of the year, losing to themselves. Because that's what this game really feels like. The Edmonton Oilers didn't lose to the Los Angeles Kings on Monday night. The Edmonton Oilers beat themselves. That can't happen every night. And the fact that the Edmonton Oilers and Connor McDavid specifically came out of there with not a goal, not a point, not a win, I'm feeling positive. Those are just more of the the editorials, the opinions. How about the numbers? Let's take a look at the numbers from game one that really tells the story as to how the Edmonton Oilers dominated not only at five on five, but a strong portion of the game. As mentioned, the Oilers outscored the Los Angeles Kings at 5-on-5, 2-1. The Los Angeles Kings outscored the Oilers 3-1 in all other situations. However, there were 15, 15, sometimes I can't even count that high, 15 Edmonton Oilers with a greater expected goals for at 5-on-5 than a single one. I can count to one. Los Angeles Kings, 15 Edmonton Oilers to one Los Angeles King. 
Those included Nick Bugstad, Kyler Yamamoto, Derek Ryan. Almost didn't even count Connor McDavid. Then their goals four per 60 minutes, which we all know is one of my favorite numbers. The five on five goals four per 60 minutes for each team broke down like this. Leon Dreisaitl was 7.68. Vander Kane at a 6.76. Cody Ceci at a 6.64. Darnell Nurse at a 6.13. And Matthias Janmark at 5.04. Those were the top five players in the game. Not just for the Oilers, but in the game. Then was Quentin Byfield at 4.64, Adrian Kempe at 4.42, Kopitar 4.36, and Doughty with 3.11. Mikey Anderson, he's not allowed to be talked about on this episode. But doesn't stop there because the Edmonton Oilers would then to go on after they did get the first two penalties of the game that were very obviously penalties. More power plays of the game because Costin and I believe Lazat went at it at the bench there. The Oilers got the last six of the final seven penalties in that game. Now, are we going to have a little bit of a rant on referees? Not right now. What I am going to say is that the Edmonton Oilers need to be more disciplined. That's on the Edmonton Oilers to be more disciplined. You can't take six out of seven penalties. You can't, or you're not going to win any game, and especially to one of the better power plays in the league. In the league. When the Edmonton Oilers were going for 36% down the stretch, the Los Angeles Kings were at 32. Hmm, not bad. So you can't be doing that. Although, some of those calls were very soft. Those are easily avoidable things if you are willing to be disciplined. Then I was taking a look at some of the numbers, just the normal numbers, from the game between these two teams, and the Edmonton Oilers dominated in places where the Edmonton Oilers haven't dominated in years. 40 shots over the uh, 35 for the Los Angeles Kings, outshooting them obviously by five. Face-off percentage, the Edmonton Oilers with a 58% and the Los Angeles Kings with a 43%. The Oilers out-hit the LA Kings. Yes, it was only by one, but they put up 50 hits in that game. Everybody registered a hit for the Edmonton Oilers. That is a buy-in, 50 hits to 49. 19 block shots for the Edmonton Oilers over the 17 for the LA Kings, which I had mentioned numerous times throughout the season that the Edmonton Oilers are getting out-blocked. The opposition are making it difficult for the other team, while well, the other team being the Edmonton Oilers, to get shots to their goaltender. Well, the Edmonton Oilers down the stretch, mostly because of the addition of Matthias Ekholm, the Edmonton Oilers have flipped that script and has also made it more difficult on teams to get pucks to the net. And finally, this is the one stat where the Edmonton Oilers did not outdo the Los Angeles Kings, but I'm going to bring it up in favor of the Edmonton Oilers because, again, it is a very adjustable thing to do. That's giveaways. The Edmonton Oilers gave up 18 pucks in that game to Los Angeles Kings 12. Most of those were very nasty 
up the middle, right in front of Stuart Skinner, and sometimes he got a little lucky to not score. But it's very avoidable. Just make the smart play. Just think. You know what? I can attest to somebody who doesn't always think sometimes. It may be difficult, but just put a little bit in there. The Edmonton Oilers lose game one. Not because the Los Angeles Kings beat them. Because the Edmonton Oilers beat themselves. So, heading into game two, how can the Edmonton Oilers change those things? Well, let's get into that. And also, sounds like the Edmonton Oilers are going to be missing a pretty big piece from game one. Let's talk about that in just a second. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. As I mentioned at the top of the episode, I was in Toronto this weekend. Me and my buddies were sitting there at a specific Canadian coffee shop that I will not mention. And we decided, you know what? Let's just go to the Toronto FC game. And we just happened to see that TFC was playing Atlanta United. And right there on the spot, we bought four $16 tickets to the game. And where did we sit? Not the nosebleeds, but row four. Right in the corner, great view and a fantastic game. So forget about planning months in advance for your events. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, theater, and more. It is the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you pay and so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. We sure did and we were still blown away. Snag tickets now without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account and use the code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply again. Create an account and redeem the code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, the lowest price guaranteed. Alrighty, let's get into tonight's matchup between the Edmonton Oilers and the Los Angeles Kings. As the Oilers head into this game, obviously, as mentioned, down a game and potentially down a forward. Not only for game two, but it sounds like Matthias Janmark will likely miss tonight's game against the Los Angeles Kings and potentially the rest of the series in, well, the first round. Not fantastic for a guy who set up the first goal of the series on Leon Dreisaitl, blocked some massive shots in the entire game on the penalty kill for the Oilers, a great transition player. And I know so many people have gone throughout the year going, why is this guy on the team? But every single time I watch him play, I sit there and go, that is why. Because once again, he did something right. He always does the right thing. And that is because he is a good veteran. And now without Matisse Janmark in the lineup, that's going to be a tough void to fill for the Edmonton Oilers. So how are they going to do it tonight? It sounds like the Edmonton Oilers are likely to go in 11-7 for tonight's game against the LA Kings, which is what the Edmonton Oilers ran with 
in the playoffs last year, if I'm not mistaken, after going 12-6 in game one. So here's what I think the Oilers lineup will technically be heading into tonight's game. And then I'm going to tell you why it's probably not going to be like that. But let's start off on the top line with Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Connor McDavid, and Zach Hyman. The second line is Evander Kane, Leon Dreisaitl, and Kyler Yamamoto. Clem Costin had a great first game. He's alongside Nick Bukestad and Derek Ryan, who I have slotted into that Matthias Janmark spot. Warren Fogle and Ryan McLeod are the 10th and 11th forwards. Now, on defense, the Oilers are going with Darnell Nurse and Cody Ceci on the top pairing. Matias Ekholm alongside Evan Bouchard, of course. Brett Kulak is going to be alongside Vinny DeHarnay. Philip Broberg will be likely heading into the lineup for the Oilers if they do run the 11-7, and Stuart Skinner gets the start in net. Now, as I mentioned, With the Oilers going 11-7, I do not believe that that will even really be the Oilers lineup in this game. I think when you go on to Money Puck at the end of the game tonight and you take a look at all the different line combinations that the Edmonton Oilers rolled out there, it's going to be extensive. But properly extensive? Because the Edmonton Oilers are now able to roll with a line with Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl or Ryan Nugent Hopkins or Ryan McLeod or Derek Ryan or Nick Bukestad down the middle. The Edmonton Oilers have one, two, three, four, five, six, six potential centers in this game who can then pair up with the other four wingers and you set them up in however system you want and the Edmonton Oilers are able to flip their lines in ways that Todd McClellan and the Los Angeles Kings could not prepare for you think the Kings are preparing for Costin McDavid McLeod line you think they're preparing for a Bukestad Kane and Yamamoto line I'm not saying those are going to go out there and absolutely dominate the Los Angeles Kings, but it gives the Edmonton Oilers a little bit more of a give and take and leniency when it comes to how they want to distribute their lines when Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are on the ice and potentially something to look for too, when do the Edmonton Oilers put on Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl out on the ice at the same time on five on five? Now, this also leads into the defensive game. Because a lot of people talk about the DeHarnay penalty at the end of the game. Do I think it was a penalty? Mm, We'll talk about that in the next thing. But, good question was asked to Jay Woodcroft today at his press conference, asking what he thought about Vinny DeHarnay and what he said to Vinny DeHarnay's penalty, or about him, or to him about his penalty after the game. Jay Woodcroft said to him, as long as Vinny DeHarnay is Vincent DeHarnay, then he's going to be fine. We're going to be fine, he said, as the Edmonton Oilers. That was a soft call. It was a tough call. Again, I will get into it more later. But you can't blame the six foot seven guy sitting on his pants going down to hard concrete ice 
and some guy steps on his stick and it's a penalty that ends just happens to end the game. It's a very difficult thing for a young player, and I hope he can get past that. But I think as Oilers fans, if we're able to just maybe think for a second, it is far from Vinny D'Arnais' fault that he took that penalty. But I know there's always going to be people who love to hate on anything that isn't them, so uh, we'll move on from that. But the Edmonton Oilers are in a fine position. Stuart Skinner said today in his uh, press conference, or said in yesterday's press conference, or his availability to the media, that he's a better man for the loss that they had to go through in game one. A better man. You know what else he said? He said that he was happy to get his first playoff loss out of the way. He was happy to lose, not happy to lose, but happy to get that first playoff loss. So he now knows what it feels like so he doesn't have to go through it again. How about that type of mentality? And that's the mentality coming out of a goaltender who is 24 years old and just signed his first pro contract. Well, his second pro contract, his first that wasn't an ELC. But on the flip side, the Los Angeles Kings are getting back Gabriel Velarde into their lineup for tonight's game. Now, this may be a relatively foreign name for Edmonton Oilers fans. Velarde was a little here and there in the series last year, but this year, especially at the start of the season, he's been a great player for the LA Kings. To start off the year in 15 games played at the start of the year, or the first 15 games, you can put it that way, 10 goals, 5 assists, 15 points. He had a point per game at the start of the year. However, he did suffer an injury and has been out since March 26th against the St. Louis Blues. Overall this season, Gabriel, Gabriel Velarde has 23 goals, 18 assists, 41 points in 63 games. A big breakout year and a player that the LA Kings are going to love to have back. Now the thing to watch is who the player is coming out of the lineup for the Kings. My feeling is, is it's probably going to be Arthur Kaliev. Who, yes, he plays garbage minutes mostly if it's not on the power play. And that's the reason why to pay attention to this. Because Arthur Kaliev gets a majority of his time on the power play. He's a power play specialist because he has an elite shot. Their power play was pretty good the other day, wasn't it? So, are you more comfortable with Gabriel Velarde on the LA Kings power play? Are you more comfortable having Arthur Kaliev? That's something to watch as well. And finally, just heading into this game, it won't be for this game specifically, but something to watch, especially with Game 3 in Los Angeles, California, whether or not the Edmonton Oilers will be making a call-up due to the Matthias Janmark injury. And if so... Who's the player getting called up? Because my inkling may or may not be Dylan Holloway. 
I don't know. But just something else to watch for after this game. Either way, the Edmonton Oilers and the Los Angeles Kings tonight, game two. Coverage starts at 8 o'clock, but we all know puck drop is going to be at about, well, 8.45. But either way, you can't not get excited for it. Let's see if the Edmonton Oilers can head back to the City of Angels, I guess. I was going to say Hollywood, City of Angels, with the split over the weekend, well, on Friday and Saturday. But before we head on to that, let's wrap up today's episode with the good, the bad, and the ugly back from game one. And yes, it'll include a referee rant. I'm sorry. Let's get to that in just a second. Alrighty, let's wrap up today's episode with the good, the bad, and the ugly from game one, as we weren't able to do it yesterday. But let's start off with the good. And the good being the first goal. Yes, the Oilers scored the first goal in the first game of the playoffs. Oh, it was such a weight lifted off the back of the Edmonton Oilers and Edmonton Oilers fans. As we all kind of expected, potentially, the Oilers to go into that first game a little flat-footed, being the top seed, going into it as the favorites in general. The Edmonton Oilers didn't. They went in there with intention, with purpose, and again, for not only the first period, not only for the second period, but they dominated for a long time in the game. They were ready. They started on time, and those were not words I could say for about mm, 15 of the games last year so the good the first goal for the Edmonton Oilers the bad here it is (laughs) the bad being the officiating look I know a lot of people are tuning out right now going oh another officiating rant I think a lot of those calls were fair Uh, let's get that out of the way I think a lot of the calls were fair in the game. But why, in game one, the prime time game of game one of the National Hockey League's Stanley Cup playoffs, the playoff format that is highly regarded as one of the best, if not the best playoffs in all of sport, why is the call that is being made that is going to dictate the game a call of a six foot seven defenseman falling, hitting concrete ice, throwing his arms back as any realistic human being would, and somebody stepping on his stick, taking a couple of Bambi walks, and then he goes down. Why is that a penalty? Why are you calling that when 13 seconds ago, Warren Fogle was just tripped and assaulted right in front of you? If you're going to let one go, you got to let the other. When you say a makeup call, it doesn't mean you're just trying to make up a call from the other one. That means you're trying to make up a call for the team that you just blatantly messed up for. So then why was that the call? In one of the most important games on the National Hockey League schedule, that was the call that was made to call the game? 
Because all 17,000 people that went into Rogers' place, all the thousands of people that packed into the moss pit, and that brand new area that there's so many people who are interested in this game so that they could have more people around this game, all the people who tuned in all around not only Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, the United States, but all those people who stayed up late for that game, you just sat there and spat in their face. And as a hockey fan, you should feel offended. Because now you see all these games all around the NHL in the playoffs that are having refereeing issues, officiating issues. You can even take a look at the Toronto game last night. And yet you hear guys like Austin Matthews who go out there and are sometimes defending the referees. But sometimes they shouldn't. This is a theme. And for the people who sit there and go, the officiating has been great this year. The officiating has been great. You need to realize that those officials who do make those bad calls, and again, there are great officials. I'm not saying every single referee is bad. But there are more bad refs than there are good refs. And the fact that every single time there's a bad call, there are so many contrarians to go, um, well, actually, just means that the NHL is not only spitting in your face as the hockey fan, but also spitting in the face of the people who are the contrarians who just want to be different. It doesn't matter if you think one way or the other, if you want to be a contrarian or if you do think the penalty was a penalty, the NHL is blatantly disrespecting you when those are the calls that are made. The ugly from game one of the Edmonton Oilers and the Los Angeles Kings. (sighs) The decade of darkness kind of popped its rear old ugly head for the Edmonton Oilers, didn't it? Wow, the Edmonton Oilers have a lead heading down the stretch in a game. The Oilers have control of this game. Oh, they took a penalty. Oh, the other team is pulling their goaltender. Oh, it's a loose puck in the middle of the ice. And we're tied. And we're going to overtime. How many times did that exact sequence in the last 10 minutes of an Edmonton Oilers hockey game happen between mm, 2006 to mm, 2015? Uh, spoiler alert, a lot, a lot. And it happened again for the Edmonton Oilers in game one. It's kind of tough to see as somebody who expected the Los An- or the Edmonton Oilers to be in a completely different spot than they were in the past. But you sat there and saw it happen right in front of you and you went, ah. So the ugly, the rearing of the ugly head of the decade of darkness. Alrighty, let's wrap up today's episode. It got a little heated there at the end of it. But you know what's always been heated? The rivalry between the Edmonton Oilers and the Los Angeles Kings. And we have game two tonight. I can't wait. 8 o'clock while coverage starts. 8.20 puck drop probably as the Edmonton Oilers look to split the series as they head back to Hollywood on Friday. Alrighty, let's wrap up the episode day. Not even the day because we're going to have a full-on post-game episode 
from tonight's game as well. So make sure you tune in for that after the NHL or after the Edmonton Oilers game. But until then, hopefully to head into that episode, we can all play La Bamba, baby.